This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Say good morning to you in English and buenos dias in Spanish and broken toe in uh, Hebrew. And it sounds like broken toe, but it's broken toe. Okay, so I'm baffling you a little bit with my Hebrew today since I got back from Israel. And so I baffled them over there with my speech, with my draw. So I hope my draw doesn't bother you this morning. I'm glad to see you here. We welcome you this morning. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up. Again, I am so glad to be back home. I missed the opportunity to worship with you today. So once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 6. And then we'll go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So ah, just the upcoming weeks throughout my sermons, I'll plug in a, a few things that took place over there that um, really really came to light to me and Shelley. Uh, great experience. And so bless all of you again. Our, our guide there was Hebrew. And I had the opportunity to ask him, do the, do the tribes of Israel, do they still exist? And he said, oh, yeah. And so I had the opportunity to ask him, what tribe are you from? And he was from the tribe of Levi, the, the priest tribe, the priestly tribe. And so it was interesting, his take on all that. Uh, I was a man of a million questions, and he was a man of a million answers because I expected him to answer. So it was good. But again, even this morning, I'll plug in some things. First Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you hadn't been with us, we're here on a series on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to dive right on into this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. But he who is joined or united or married to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so what you begin to see is Jesus becomes one with the believer's spirit. When when we give our heart to him, it's like we become married to Jesus. And what I love about that, Jesus will receive you just as you are. I think a lot of times people have the thought that I I need to be good. I need to be a person that's not dominated by sin. I I need to be a person that's never messed up. And I'm telling you, that's a tale, okay? And the Bible clarifies that. The Lord Jesus said, "I, I didn't come for those who are healthy. I came for the sick. And so again, that may be you today, that Jesus wants to be married to you today, that Jesus loves you just as you are. Verse number uh, 18, and it really changes directions here. The Apostle Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Run from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And so when you see what he's talking about here, there's incredible uh, significance even in this area, to disobey God in this. And a strong, strong warning on here. Now watch where it goes with this on verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And so we begin to see here that the Apostle Paul says specifically That when I get born again and I'm I'm united to the Lord Jesus, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The the message says it in in this way. Your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit. And so when you begin to see this and you look at everything he's saying, the Lord is telling us, don't violate 
the temple of the Holy Spirit, you, by getting into sexual sin right here. Now, what's interesting to this is if you look in this verse, in verse 19 again, I, I want you to see a little nugget. And there at the end, it says, of the Holy Spirit is in you, whom you have from God. Whom you have from God. Now, it's always interesting to me when people deny the Holy Spirit. They don't need the Holy Spirit. They're not interested in the Holy Spirit. But right here, it says, whom you have from God. In other words, just as Father God gave the Lord Jesus to us, he gave the Holy Spirit to us. And so something happens when I begin to look at my life as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Now, to go a little farther in this this morning, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and as you're turning there, again, don't violate God's standards for living. Stay within the Word of God. Ephesians 5 is where we're going, and I, I'm just going to highlight this briefly. Uh, many of you will know the name of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And you can probably pull this up online if you just put in Russell Wilson. But two days ago, I'm studying on these lines right here, and I read an article that he's now married to a singer named Sierra, and I don't have a clue who Sierra is. I know that some of you do. I don't until the other day. But in this article, she had already been married once before, and when they begin to date, Russell Wilson... He put down the laws immediately. And you know what he said? We will not have any sexual activity until we're married. And this woman said it was one of the hardest things we'd ever done. And she said, I didn't realize the significance of it until we begin to walk out the word of God. And as I read that, I thought, you know what? Russell Wilson isn't just a champion quarterback. Russell Wilson is a champion man of God. That this is a God in a society that almost applauds sexual immorality, but yet he said, we're going to live to please God. We're going to do it God's way. It's very important we see this. Okay, Ephesians 5, verse number 18. Now, I'm going to read this a little bit backwards to start with, but you'll see how the Word of God will help us. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, is which is dissipation. It, it cheapens you. Uh, one translation for this, the New Living says, it will ruin your life. Another one calls it debauchery, and the word debauchery means it will lead you astray or it'll even bring corruption to your life. In other words, it'll destroy you. So the first part, he says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that, the word filled, it means a continuous filling, to be filled and be filled and be filled and be filled. Almost like he's telling us, you got to be filled and refilled on a daily basis. It's kind of like water. You know, if you just drink water on Monday and think that water that you drank on Monday is going to get you through the entire week, it's not going to happen. 
And so it's the same area in this. Now, when you begin to look at this, it's interesting because the, the word drunkenness means it's going to cheapen you. So literally when you see what the Apostle Paul is saying here, he's telling us you're either going to be influenced by the world or drunkenness or you're going to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. One or the other. It's an incredible statement. He goes on to say in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Literally, the, the three byproducts are singing, making melody or making music and giving thanks. Now, I believe that is a result when I, I have the Holy Spirit, there's something that changes me on the inside. Man, I'm, I'm singing to the Lord all day. I'm whistling tunes to the Lord all day. And it's a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where we go backwards. Pick up with me, same chapter, verse 15. See then that you walk or live circumspectly, cautiously, carefully. And here's the thought for you Does it matter how I live? Evidently so, because he warns us right here. And he goes on to say, not as fools, but as wise. So here's what you begin to see in this. You're either going to live by a fool or you're going to live by wise. This is what he's talking about. Keep reading, verse 16. Redeeming the time, making the most of my time and my opportunity. Why? Because the days, of e or the, the days are evil. The pervasiveness of evil. So get us what he's telling us. It's like the world day after day is going to try to reel you in. Day after day after day. Okay, we've got that thought. Keep going. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And when you see what the will of the Lord is, uh, the will of the Lord, I believe in every bit of this, when you go back and reread it in order, is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the very next verse. He said, understand the will of the Lord, and then you get in the next thing. So literally, I believe what he's saying in this, that when I be filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll help me to live wisely, not as a fool. He'll help me against these evil days. And if, if I don't choose the things of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to be viewed as a fool. I become dominated by the things of this world. Now, I'm going to tattle on myself a little bit, and I'm going to be very transparent here this morning. The first two issues that we've dealt with immediately, sexual immorality and drunkenness, I don't tell you this with honor. I was dominated with both of those. This is what happened to me as a life of a sinner. I, I was a teenage alcoholic. I was dominated. And I saw the effects. I saw the ruin. I saw how it cheapened me in those areas. And as a young guy at 20, when I got born again and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to see firsthand what the Holy Spirit can do when I welcome him and I yield to him. And so I believe this with all my heart. He wants to work in every one of us. He wants to help every one of us. But something happens when I choose to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you. Now, I want you to go to the book of Revelations, chapter 3. And I'm, I'm going I'm to skip just a little bit here. 
this second service. We're going to be in Revelations 3. But in Revelations chapter 1, you begin to see the Bible highlight the Lord Jesus. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Jesus is the start, he's the finish, and he's everything in between. But if you were to go to the book of Revelations chapter 1, it will talk about Jesus, and he's got this golden sash on. The golden sash is symbolic of him being the high priest. And what Jesus talks about here in in early Revelations 1, 2, and 3, especially chapters 2 and 3, he wrote to seven different churches. They're all listed starting in in Revelations 2. And what this is, is an ongoing application to all the churches. In other words, what he spoke to them thousands of years ago, they still pertain to us. I encourage you in your own reading, get in there and read about those seven churches. It's very, very powerful. But today, we're going to pick up the last one, which is in Revelations 3, and we'll begin in verse 14. And it says this, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. So this letter here was written to a church in Laodicea. So if it was written to a church in Laodicea, these are church-going folk. These are people that go to church. He goes on to say, These things says the amen, the faithful, the true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God. And everything that I just said right there is referencing to Father God or the Lord Jesus. But now it gets interesting, verse 15. And if you'll notice, these are red letter words. And he said, I know your works. I know your deeds. I I, I know your behaviors. And what's interesting about that statement right there, that to all the seven churches that he wrote to, every one of them he said that in. Every one of them, all seven of them, he said, I know your works. I know your deeds. Now again, we reverse back all the way to Ephesians 5 where he said, Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. And so literally when he says here, I I know your works. I know what you're doing. My commitment to Jesus affects my political and also my ethical convictions. Here's a little insight for you on that. I need to come to a place in my life where I love what Jesus loves and I hate what Jesus hates. Even politically. I I cannot vote for someone that blatantly breaks God's Ten Commandments. Just a little side note. Just a little thought for you. So he said, I know your works. That you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. In other words, Jesus is telling them, he said, listen, I would rather you be one or the other, be cold or be hot. But he said, you're neither cold nor you're hot. 
So what begins to happen in this area called the church of Laodicea, the opinion of the majority of the people became the accepted opinion. In other words, here's what they begin to do. They said, hey, let's just vote on how we want to live. And however the majority of the people vote, that's how we're going to live. So literally, well, you know what they just said or did? We view man's opinion above the word of God. This is Laodicea. That's where I go back and I got to stay with the word of God. And so now we jump to verse 16. And he said, so then because you are lukewarm. You are lukewarm. You are, you are bland. You're neutral. You blend in. You're a, a nominal Christian. You're half-hearted. Better stated I'm a saint on Sunday, and I live like the world on Monday. And you know what he's telling again? This is church going folk. And he said, you look and you act like the people you're around. When you're around Christians, you know how to talk in Christianese. But when you're around the world, you act just like them. Now remember his thought in verse 15. I wish you were frozen or I wish you were on fire. I wish you were one or the other. Keep reading. So then because you are lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 and 16. And you'll see that thought three times. Just bang, bang, bang. He said it three times. You're neither cold nor you're hot. You're neither cold nor you're hot. You're neither cold nor you're hot. And then he said, because you're lukewarm, look what Jesus says. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Time out. These were church-going people. And Jesus says, because you're lukewarm, you're distasteful. You're disgusting and you're nauseating to me. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I wish you were cold or I wish you were hot. So I begin to look at those words and cold or hot. Well, a person that's cold, it's very evidently spiritually that he doesn't want nothing to do with God. But a person that's hot Man, that means they're, they're full of God. They're ready to go to God. So when you get the word hot, to have hot, you got to have heat. you got to have fire to be hot. So in Luke 3.16, and you can reference this, it specifically says how God will baptize or how Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When you get fire, you get hot. So when this situation was the Lord Jesus telling them, without the Holy Spirit, you're never going to make it. You can go to church and you can pretend to be a believer, but you're not going to make it without the Holy Spirit. I believe this is what he's telling us. Now when the Lord Jesus tells us, be filled with the Spirit and continually be filled Something happens when I obey that. 
And remember what we said earlier, the Holy Spirit who is from God. He's the third part of the Trinity. He's the third head of the Trinity. And so he wants to come in and do a work within the inside of every one of us. And so I believe to a degree right here, you know what he's saying? You're not going to be anything more than lukewarm without the Holy Spirit. And you want to see the problem of the Laodiceans? Verse 17, because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. So the Laodiceans answer for everything was money. Now you got to look into the file cabinet of your own heart. How many of you ever said or thought, oh, I just need more money. If I just had more money. If I just had more money. I said, Lord, if we just had more money in the church, we could reach more people. But the truth of the matter is that our money, the world will never be converted by it. The way the world is converted is by the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of people. And so you want to see the wardrobe. When we get over and we look at doing it by money or man's ways, look at their wardrobe at the end of verse 17. That you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked spiritually Because you've tried to replace God, the Holy Spirit, with man. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. So you know what I saw within the church of Laodicea? The Holy Spirit wasn't emphasized. They chose to live by the influence of man. And without the Holy Spirit, I gravitate, toward, I gravitate from God instead of toward God. I found that in my own life. I, I remember being at a young age, and again, when they told me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I really didn't understand what was about to take place. But I saw over and over in the scriptures where I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And things began to happen within me. That, that old sinful nature of mine, I begin to see God work through the Holy Spirit to cut that off. He began to move within me. How, how many of you ever thought you could change somebody else? You can't. But I begin to pray and I begin to say, Holy Spirit, work in them. Work, work in my son's life. Work in my daughter's life. Work in my family. Something happens when I release the Holy Spirit to do God, what God sent him. Now, here's, here's the, the, the thought on that. Zechariah 4, 6, Zechariah said, it's not by might nor my power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. If we would learn to grasp it, and I said we, there's so many times in my life I think, oh my gosh, I got to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. I got to let him work. In saying that, this is what this, this passage here is going to teach us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. The word serve in the Amplified means to worship. I I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm at a place in my life, 
I want to serve God. I want to worship God. I I don't know if it's because I'm getting a little older. My my greatest desire is to, to worship God and to serve God. And in the last 10 years, my prayers have changed incredibly. You know what my prayers is for my own life? Father God, I want to know you. I I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. And if you come to church here, that's what I'm praying over you. That we have this intimate relationship where I I don't just come in here and, and, and I sing, Oh, Lord, let's raise a hallelujah. Something penetrates from my heart that says, Father God, I want to serve you. I want to serve you, Father God. And and when I read read this passage, it's like that's what the apostle Paul said, with a pure conscience, in other words, a pure motive. I don't worship you, God, for you to be the big sugar daddy of the sky. I just love you. I want to be in your presence. As my forefathers did. As my ancestors did. You know what I see in that right there? He noticed how his forefathers worshiped God and served God. You know, one of the greatest inheritance you can give your kids and your grandkids is for them to see how you worship God. Woo! My my great, great, great granddaddy, Pastor Stormy. Woo, he worshiped God. You sound like you're going to be around here for a while. I am. I want to influence as many generations as I can for the kingdom of God. Without ceasing, this is what he says to to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. I, I consistently prayed for you. I never gave up on praying for you. And when I read into that, that's, that's got to get on the inside of us. Where you realize the power and the significance of my prayers. Father God, I ask you to move and change them. Verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you and being mindful of your tears that I may, may be filled with joy. It, it was the depth of their relationship. But if you saw that, he said with tears. This guy named Timothy at this time in his life, he was experiencing great opposition and great persecution. Verse five. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you. What a word. He didn't say just the faith that's in you. He said, I remember the genuine faith that's in you. You know what genuine is? That's the real deal. That's not some knockoff. I remember years ago, I was down in Mexico, and I was at this little flea market, and I bought these sunglasses. And on the side, they had an O like Oakley. And there's a guy in the church who saw me, and he said, man, Pastor, I love your Oakleys. And I said, you can have them if you want them. And he said, I can have your Oakleys. And I said, well, I'm going to be truthful to you. They're not Oakleys, they're Chokeleys. And I grinned at him, and he said, they're not the real deal. And I said, oh, no, oh, no. This is genuine faith. This this is the real deal. Keep reading. I have fun doing this. If you hadn't, can't tell. The genuine faith that's in you, 
which dealt from, from, it dealt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Faith was communicated, Timothy, from your grandmother, and he specifically said your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. In other words, it was passed down. It was something that was birthed within you. And this is another one of the greatest heritage we can give. And when I saw these ones dedicating babies up here, it's a good thing to provide food and shelter, clothing, education. But I believe the greatest thing we can do is impart faith in them and say, live for God. Live for God. On, on my deathbed, when I'm 120, I, I don't want all my great, 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 great grandkids and all of them to be around me and me look at them and say, you know who was the, the MVP of Super Bowl 38? Who cares? I want to look at them and say, serve God all the days of your life. Live for God all the days of your life. I want to lay my hands on you before I take off. You know, here's what was interesting. I didn't read this, but this is in Revelations 1. I'm, I'm going to say verse 16 or 17. When we were in Israel, the, um, the tour guide who was of the Levitical priesthood, we got to talk him one day. And he said, in, in our customs, and he told me, he said, you can look at it when, when Jacob prayed and released the blessings on all the, the 12 tribes and J, uh, Joseph, some Ephraim and Manasseh. It said he laid hands on them. He said the Jewish custom is this, is they lay their right hand on them. In Revelations 1, what I just quoted, it specifically says that Jesus laid their right hand on them. And when I, I read that the other day, I thought, that's exactly what he said. There is an impartation that comes through the laying on of hands. Something happened here. Now watch, keep, keep reading here with me. Therefore, and he's talking to Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God within you. Stir up the genuine faith. And what this is, this is literally a picture of a fire that's almost extinguished. Some translation says, rekindle the embers, rekindle the coals. And so you get a picture of this fire and it's almost out. And he said, stir it up. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Stir it back up. And if you'll notice right here, he says, stir up the gift of God which is in you. It doesn't specifically say the gift right here, but the Greek word for gift right here is a word charisma. And the word charisma literally means stir up the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are within you. So you know what he just told him? Timothy, you're going through great opposition. You're going through great persecution. You're going through great difficulties. And if you'll notice right here what the answer was, he didn't say, try a little harder. He didn't say, dig a little deeper. He said, stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Through the laying on of hands. And I highlight that 
because we've gotten away from that so much. It's incredible how many times in the New Testament you see we're to lay hands on people in Jesus. Not, not in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you had your hands laid on you in Jesus' name? When's the last time have you had somebody lay hands on you in the name of Jesus? You know, a couple of years ago, over and over, the Lord would tell me that. He'd say, let your wife lay hands on you. I'm, I'm talking about spiritually, okay? Come on, come on, get your head in the game. And I'd walk in and say, she'll lay hands on me in Jesus. And lay hands on me. Lay hands on me. I, I was on that airplane, and it's one of those areas the Lord's still working on me in patience. Many of you have been around here, man. I, I have a hard time sitting at a red light. I watch that other light. I'm serious. You're with me. I watch it, man. The minute it turns yellow, I'm moving. I'm moving. And I'm going. I was on that plane. At one setting, was 10 hours straight. I said, Lord, you're going to have to develop patience quickly in this old boy. But my arms were like this. And then I got home and I had some crazy inflammation in the shoulder. And so Shelly called me last night when they were on their way home from Mexico. And she said, how are you? And I said, dear, you need to get home. I need you to lay hands on me. It's biblical. He said, Mark 16, lay hands on the sick in my name and they'll recover. In, in Acts 19, verses 1 through 6, the apostle Paul said, lay hands on them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I heard the Levitical priesthood guy, he would lay hands on them. He'd talk about the, the, the transformation through the laying on of hands. He told me about his granddad laying hands on him, his dad laying hands on him. And I, I think we've missed in these areas. But the apostle Paul said, we got to stir that gift up in you. Now look what happens in verse 7. Oh, I better move. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. God's not the author of fear, but of power and love and of the sound mind. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but God gave us the Holy Spirit who is of power and of love and of sound mind or self-discipline. So something happens when I begin to say, oh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I, I need a double dose of love today. I'm going to be against, uh, around Sister Bucket Mouth today. She's so ugly. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill me with love. And you get in there and she starts talking trash about everything and, and about every person in your office and the love of God just comes out of you. And your head does a three, it twirls and you think, who is that masked man? That's the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you. Fill me with love. Fill me with power. That, that, that acts 1A power. Fill me with uh, patience and self-discipline. And, and if you'll know right here, he didn't act like there's any way other to get it. The Holy Spirit will do this in you. I'm telling you, there's times in my life the Holy Spirit has made me look like a genius. How'd you know that? And I look and I think, I didn't know that. That's the Holy Spirit. We'll end with verse 13 and 14. Verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and in love which are in Christ Jesus. You know what's interesting with that right there? The pattern of sound words 
That must be a big deal. <laughs> How many of you ever tried to watch the words that come out of your mouth? Man, I've tried to put a guard on my mouth. James 1.19 says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Many times in my life, I have it just the opposite. I'm swift to speak and slow to hear. How many of you ever had that problem? And then he says, and faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Now watch the answer right here in verse 14. The good thing which was committed you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The Amplified says, by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes us home within you. So guess what he told us the answer. For me to speak sound word, for me to speak faith, for me to speak love, and to live those things, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And again, he comes on the inside of it, and he makes us look incredible. But any time in my life that I get over and I think I can do it my way, I can think I can do it man's way. So what I believe has hurt the church as a whole, we've unplugged from the Holy Spirit. We don't have a problem telling people about God and the Lord Jesus, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's almost like this. Oh, no. Don't put that Holy Spirit stuff on us. Well, it's amazing to me how many times the Lord Jesus said, be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28 says to be baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we think we can do life without him. And again, if you go back and look at the church of Laodicea, that's what got him in trouble. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.